Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what happens when you start working on your swing on the course and how to play with more freedom. But first, before we get into it, I want to tell you about a couple things that I've been working on. Last week, a lot of you received the first edition of The Mental Regrip. It's going to be a weekly newsletter every Tuesday that will have a mental game tip that will hopefully give you something to put the past week into perspective and have something to work on for the upcoming week. I think it's important to reset from the past week and refocus for the week ahead so that you can always be working towards improvement. The link to sign up for the mental regrip is foundationsmp.com slash newsletter. That link will be in the show notes, so don't look it up while you're driving. I promise it'll be there when you stop. Something else I made specifically for you Mental Golf Show listeners is a topic suggestion box. Several of you have reached out over the past with topic ideas, but I think it took too much effort to have to send a whole email just to request a topic. So I made a simple topic suggestion box on my website. The link is foundationsmp.com suggestion. Again, that link will be in the show notes. I know you can't wait to share all your topic ideas with me, but at least pull over first. It can wait. All right, that's all the housekeeping for now. Let's get into the show. You're playing a tournament. You play the first few holes well, but then you make a bad swing on the fourth hole. You let this one slide because you know that you're allowed to make one bad swing. So you get up to the green and hit a bad chip and miss your putt and make a careless bogey. Again, you're telling yourself that this was just one bad hole. But in the back of your mind, you know you wouldn't have made that bogey if you made a better swing in the fairway. So you go to the fifth hole. You try to block out the silly bogey from the fourth on your tee shot, but you still hit a bad one. Okay, now it's tough to keep your swing out of your mind. That's two bad full swings in a row. You go up and punch out your shot from the trees back into the fairway. You got the punch out pretty far down the fairway, so you have a simple 115-yard shot into the green. This is a good yardage for you, and you usually hit these well. So you think this is as good a time as ever to try the swing thought that you are working on from your last lesson. You know your tendency is to pick your back foot up too quick and slide your hips towards the ball, which gets you stuck on the downswing and forces you to flip the ball. The only way to hit it good from this position is to time it just right. But this timing leads to inconsistency in your ball striking and quite often a big miss. What you and your coach worked on last week was feeling your back foot stay on the ground a little longer, which will keep your hips back and therefore allow your arms and hands to fall into place perfectly right down into the ball. So all you have to do is think about keeping your back foot down, and you'll hit it better. You make it to your ball. You've got your plan in mind, your simple swing thought. You know that this little fix is going to right the ship and get you back on track for the round. You make a few exaggerated practice swings, then step into the ball. You're thinking, back foot down. You make your swing. You chunk it, and it winds up in the front bunker about 30 yards short of the green. Now you're really mad. You were playing bad, then you tried to fix it. So you're angry at how you hit the shot, but even more, you're angry at yourself for trying to work on your swing mid-round. You take this anger into the bunker shot. 
It's a long bunker shot, so you'll have to swing hard at it, with the thought of your swing in the back of your mind. Your swing flaw really comes out in long bunker shots. You try to push the swing thoughts out of your mind, but you're mentally swimming in a mixture of anger and self-defeat and fear of this shot and swing thoughts, and you catch the bunker shot thin and send it sailing across the green. Add embarrassment to your cocktail of emotions. You walk across the green, woefully hit your chip shot, two putt for double, and sulk towards the next hole. Again, you know all of this stems from the bad swing in the fairway. You know how good you've been hitting the ball in practice when you make your good move. Thinking about keeping your back foot down works really well on the range. Why isn't it working now? Since this round is going south anyway, you might as well work on something. It can't get any worse, right? So you spend the next several holes bouncing from one swing thought to the next, trying to find something that feels right. You get glimpses of hope on some really well-hit shots, only to be disappointed when you hit the next one bad. This keeps you searching for the right swing thought until finally you get exhausted and decide that this round is a total bust. You tell yourself, I'm just going to relax and try to enjoy the rest of this round. At this point, you actually decide to make a swing without any swing thought whatsoever. You just see where you want to hit it and make a swing. You flush it and it goes exactly where you want. This wakes you back up and restores some energy back into you. You finish out the round just seeing your target and making unconscious swings. You don't hit them all perfect, but you're okay with that. You're just trying to enjoy the rest of the round. So bad ones stop getting to you and you show up to each new shot with a freshness to send the next one to your target. You wind up with a bad score by your standards, but you played the last five holes in one under. After thinking about it, you wonder why you couldn't have just played like that on the first 13 holes. And instead of crediting your relaxed, unconscious state of mind for the good play, you try to figure out what your swing was doing on those last handful of holes that was helping you hit it so well. So you leave this round not with a renewed mind, but dug further into your trench of swing thoughts, which you take into your practice and then into your next round, and the cycle continues. Of course you have flashes of brilliance, but ultimately, your rounds are filled with swing thoughts and frustration. How many of us can relate to this? We think that focusing on our swing during the round is the key to swinging well. After all, we know what causes that hook. We know the exact motion it would take to hit that high fade that we love. Yet we also know how much damage having too many swing thoughts can do to our game. We know from repeated experience that trying to control our games on the course causes more bad shots than good. And we get to the end of our round with regret for having spent the whole time trying to control something that can't be controlled. So why do we continue to put our focus on our swing? Maybe it's because we're not really sure what to focus on and when. So let's work through it together. I think we've all learned that when you're at the course, your swing is what it is. No amount of wrangling and forcing and controlling can make your swing better during a round of golf. Yes, like our example, golf is tantalizing because you'll hit some good shots while thinking about your swing, shots that go exactly how you drew them up, but those shots are fleeting. They are few and far between. You might as well accept the reality that when you go play, you should leave your swing behind. But where should you leave it? 
The practice facility is where you should leave it. What's good about the practice facility? What makes it fundamentally different from the course? The biggest thing that makes the practice area different is the fact that there are no consequences to your shots on the range or the chipping green or the putting green. You can hit it terrible and you get another chance to try again immediately. Whereas on the course, you have to live with the consequences of the shot you just hit. The introduction of consequence like this changes what you're able to do with your swing. Think for a second about this. Have you ever made a practice swing without a ball and your swing felt smooth and natural and flowing, but then you put a ball there and your swing feels hitchy and broken? That's because you introduced consequence for what you're doing. Consequence makes you lose just that much control of what you want to do. This makes even the range a difficult place to work on your swing. So how do you expect to be able to work on your swing when you're on the course? When you have a golf ball there, as well as rough, water, out of bounds, your weird lie, the green, the hole, your score, other people, and your expectations of yourself. I learned in my own playing career that keeping your boundaries clear and separate is the solution to this. Working on your swing when it's time and playing when it's time. This takes a lot of patience, though. This means that you have to be willing to wait for your swing and your game to develop over time. You're not going to try to rush it by working on your game every single chance you get. You're going to take complete advantage of the time you get when you're at the practice facility, and you're going to patiently play on the course with the disciplined mindset of saving your thoughts of mechanics for later. Having these clear boundaries has a lot of benefits to it. There's the obvious scoring benefit of not fighting yourself the entire round and simply allowing yourself to play your natural game, aiming for your natural shot shape, even if it's not what you want or it's even ugly. There's also the benefit of giving your practice time much more purpose and motivation. Because you intentionally decided to not work on your swing while you played, you feel almost antsy to get to the range. You're not just going to go to the range because you're supposed to. You're going because it's your only opportunity to improve your game. A third benefit is probably the most important one. Keeping your boundary around the course very clear and not allowing thoughts of mechanics inside that boundary is going to let the round of golf be much more relaxing and stress-free, if you allow it to be. If you fully embrace the patience and discipline, your round of golf will be much more of a fun sport. Instead of focusing on yourself for five hours, you're seeing targets and shots and reacting to situations with an athletic mind. This will make you more adaptable and less rigid. You'll be playing golf, not golf swing. In my own golfing career, this was very tough at first. From the time I started playing golf back in 2003, all through playing on my high school and college golf teams, and then for years after moving back home to work on my game to try to turn pro, I constantly thought about my swing on the course. But eventually, I was sick of the nonstop struggle I had always been on. So I threw away all of my habits, started working with my new instructor, Robert Linville, and went all in on the plan we created. This included very clear boundaries between practice and playing. I would practice super hard when I was practicing and would attempt to fully let go of those thoughts when I would play, even in the most casual of rounds. If my goal was to play tournaments with a clear mind, not thinking about swing, I knew I had to practice that same thing when I was at my home course. Robert and I even created two segments of my practice called random and challenge practice. 
Random practice was what most players do when they get bored at the end of a range session where you just start hitting random clubs to random targets. But for us, this had a clear purpose. It was to pick a totally random target and go through my full routine trying to hit that shot with a clear, quiet mind. And challenge practice was similar, except we would pick just one target and go through my full routine and try to just hit that one target to the best of my ability. And I would chart how close I hit it, as well as rating how good my mental process was on that shot. An important part of that mental rating was how quiet my mind was during that shot. If I was thinking about my mechanics, the shot would get a bad rating. So I was doing this no swing thought process over and over and over in my practice, and then again during every round I played. Now, yes, most of my practice time was spent on what we call block practice, so I was still getting plenty of work on my technical skill. But I made it a huge priority to get really good at blocking out my thoughts of my swing. What this allowed me to do was when I would get to a tournament, I would be able to just let go. But not just because I resolved to not think about my swing, It was because I had practiced for hundreds and thousands of repetitions and dozens of rounds of golf not thinking about my swing. So in tournaments, I was just playing the game and reacting to the situations in front of me with an adaptable mind. This had its culmination in the 2017 U.S. Mid-Am when I made it all the way to the final. Many of you listeners have heard me talk about this tournament, but something I don't point out very often is how most of the tournament was a complete blur. I barely even remember most of my matches. I attribute this to basically being on autopilot for the entire tournament. My no-swing-thought process was so ingrained that I showed up and simply played the game I brought. Yes, these rounds were tough and exhausting, and I was fully present for every moment, but I was able to be myself and trust my swing when the pressure was highest because of my countless hours of swinging and playing without any thought of my technique. So again, back to patience. It won't just start like this the first time you go out. This will take time. It took me over a year of eight-hour practice days to get to this point. You'll try to think like this for a round or two, and you might feel free at first, but you start to hit bad shots, and the temptation to think about your swing will start barraging your mind. So you have to stay faithful to this new process. Everything in you will want to work on your swing while you're out on the course, but you have to resist. You have to keep your boundaries clear and leave the swing work and the chipping practice and the putting stroke thoughts for the practice facility. Make your next round the beginning of this journey. Stay disciplined to your purpose. Keep practice where practice is supposed to happen and play when you're supposed to play. Keep those boundaries clear. All right, everybody, I hope that was helpful. If so, I'd love it if you shared the episode with someone who gets all tangled up into a swing thought pretzel every time they play. Yes, I know you want to keep this podcast a secret and not give anyone else the leg up, but come on, share the love. There's plenty to go around. You could also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people discover the show. I'm sure you don't struggle with anything in this show, of course, but maybe someone out there does. If you want to sign up for the Mental Regrip weekly newsletter, the next edition will be going out the day after this episode is released. That's every Tuesday. If you missed it, that's okay. Again, they will be coming out every Tuesday, so it's never too late to hop on the Mental Regrip bandwagon. Head to foundationsmp.com newsletter or tap the link in the show notes to sign up. 
And if you have topic ideas for the show, there's an easy place to drop those thoughts. That's foundationsmp.com slash suggestion. That link will also be in the show notes. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols. I hope you have a wonderful week. Catch you guys next time.